0: Welcome to the One Size Does Not Fit All podcast. I'm Kat Vitu and the founder of the World Life Tribe and I co-host this show with the lovely Liberty. And together we meet the most inspiring people that are here to give you tools to live a life where you will thrive. Bon Raw makes it easy for you to sweeten naturally with minimum
1: effort and zero compromise with their delicious range of raw and unrefined organic sugars. Bon Roar is better for you and the planet. Find Bon Raw's silver birch, panela and coconut blossom at Waitrose. Welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All. It's me, Liberty, and I'm here
0: again with Kat. Hello, Kat. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, actually. I'm... I'm um, no, I'm good. I obviously our kids are back to school, and you and I were talking about like I thought it would be more exciting than it is. No, it's not terrible, but it's weird not having anywhere to go other than the woods. And I've been to every wood. (laughs) My dogs are so walked, and they're so tiny. (laughs) Their little little sausage dog legs have worn out. Yes, Um, but I mean it's fine. It's fine. Um, It's just I'm looking forward to. Being able to go for lunch with people, I think, soon. same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's funny,
1: actually. My dad said he was looking at photos of us and he said, I can't believe how often we used to go out for lunches if it was just like went for a walk, went to the pub or popped into town, went for a pizza. Or He said, I've got loads of pictures of you and the kids from over the years. And imagine how much money we've saved on restaurants this year. But I really miss it. I do miss just being able to... Be out and be sociable and be surrounded by noise and I don't know. I miss going to London and I did think they've gone back to school. I can get my life back and then I was like, oh, there's nothing to do.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, God, yeah, it's that. I, I honestly like even now after school, I get Marnie and we go for a walk because I live quite near the ponds. So that I, every so day, after time, just so I can go and spend some money on coffee. <laughs> 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 buy something. Take my money. I want to buy something. <laughs> I want um, to talk to someone. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think the girl in the coffee shop thinks I'm a lunatic. I'm like, hi, how are you? Blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> <you> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like my mum ever. now. I've everyone, yeah. <laughs> It's. It's. I, mean, I can't wait to it's so funny is it because I am on the phone to people kind of going oh yeah I can't wait for you to come to lunch you're like yes but we're not going to come until you know to the day and I'm like <laughs> you know like this is just so it's weird because with my sister I just feel like I haven't seen her for such a long time now um, yes, and I'm used to seeing her like at least once a month and uh, I don't know the phones. the FaceTime's just not cutting it for me really at the moment no, um, mostly because people are always walking behind her whereas normally we'd go off and have a little chat on our own it's it doesn't seem private enough FaceTime anymore I just feel like other people kind of hi in the background and I'm like why why are you
1: there? <laughs> my sister had a baby in November 2019 so she's Etty is a year and a half now and I've just missed it. She's, I've missed all the chonky stage. I've missed the big fat nappy stage. She walks now, she wears proper shoes. And I'm like, oh, she's gone through that phase where they get off off the floor and they lose all their baby weight. And I'm like, I wanted to squish her thighs. I missed all of that. And uh, just, that's kids. It's kids really, I think, that um, I'm missing because they grow so fast. They do, but a granny and grandpa FaceTime us and speak to Wilf. And they're like, granny's like, I'm feeling a bit embarrassed. It's like talking to a man. I don't recognise him anymore. His voice has dropped and his like, he can't fit all of our heads under his head in the same screen because he's so
0: tall now. And Ooh, that's crazy, isn't it? I feel like I haven't yeah. seen him in so long, actually. He oh, my God. Really different when I've seen him. But yeah. I saw a picture the other day of him and I just didn't recognise him.
1: Yeah, he's a completely different person. It's really it's it it just it just goes to show how fast a year is in a kid's life, and that's um it's it's really a, such a shame for them. Uh, I'm glad they're back at school, but it, it's it's the weirdest thing. I wonder if this would I pray to God it doesn't. But if there was ever any reason for this to happen again, it would be such a weird thing. I guess there'll be a name for us, won't there? The, the people who've lived through this 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 year
0: and yeah, all I What they'll call us? Have don't you got know. a name lined up? What do you think? <laughs>
1: Um, Unlucky. I was going to swear then. (laughs) Um, No, I haven't got a name for us, but I'm sure there will be one. People, kids, kids in the future will look back at kids now and be like, so lucky. Grandpa didn't go to school for a whole year. And grandpa (laughs) will be like, oh, it wasn't as much fun as you think it was. That kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been a crazy, I mean, we're talking about this, but actually, a lot of people have gone through so many life thing during this lockdown that it's um you know it's all so different to manage isn't it you know like a grieving process a you know illnesses all of these kind of things and they're just so different to um in this time to what it would have been you know 18 months ago um and you know all of it is very strange isn't it of how everything's kind of really managed now and I guess with kids going back to school recently I think a lot of us were hoping that more or less we were oh it's coming it's coming the light's here the light's coming and I you know and it is coming but it's coming slowly isn't it um so slow. you know yeah. <laughs> I've been hanging out at the supermarket much more than I should have done <laughs> it's a busy place you know like so, like, I drop my son off to school and then I'm like, what should I do? Oh, I don't know, we need, we need some more bread. So I'm just going back in, but I'm not very good at just buying bread. I have to buy, like, a whole basket of stuff that I don't really need. Um, <laughs> to which I come home and Rich is like, even it's fucking-? And I'm like, yeah, yesterday and the day before, <laughs> like you are going to have to cut me some slack. I am not spending any money at the moment. <laughs> it's not <in> the Supermarket. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. If food, food is my kind of goatee. and I must. I don't know. The supermarket is only blinking blades together, isn't it? Yeah, that is that, all Yeah,
1: and it feels it feels a bit. It, it feels actually sort of normal when you go in a supermarket. It's yeah. got like, it's got like a fair amount of people in. It, uh, it, it it's the only place I've been that doesn't feel weird I don't know businesses.
0: When It's more I, I go into the supermarket though because you can go into supermarkets you can buy clothes you can buy plates you can buy everything in a supermarket and you, you have buy anything in a shop outside you know what I mean it's a bit unfair yeah, isn't it? yeah it is a bit
1: unfair it, yeah it's very weird actually when you say it like that yeah can't wait for yeah. shops to open. Oh, I'm gonna buy everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, poor James. <laughs> it's just the no, I, of being able to browse, isn't it? And I think with a world that was really going online, we now really appreciate businesses and shops, I think, because we were all yeah. we were all being disingenuous, really, and going to the Amazon, you know. And yeah. that. I don't like it as much now because I want to go in and interact with people. I want connection. I don't want to just get everything online. I think, you know, it's easy and convenient, but actually it's not as nice. No, it's not. And it really bugs me that how
1: rich Jeff Bezos has become over the last year. Richer than ever. It just makes me
0: so mad. But God damn it. He came up with a good invention. Damn that. In you, it is a good invention, but it's not a good impact on the environment. You no, know. it's awful. And 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 we're actually running out of cardboard. Did you see that? The world yeah, The world can't make enough cardboard.
1: Most of it's in my house. Amazon has used it all and Maggie's used it to, to make hamster houses for her hamster. It's just like ridiculous. I do. I really, yeah. You can buy like something that big and it comes in a massive, massive box, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not, a, I hate Amazon, but God damn it. They keep arriving.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, you know, it'd be good if we all tried to make an effort to support our local shops and stuff though. Yeah. And they're going to need it, you know, and yeah. Um, so also in the news, actually, what was covered was obviously the really sad news, which we were also talking about, weren't we?
1: Sarah Everard. Yeah. I
0: mean, and that really obviously um, sparked up um, something in women. The protests at the weekend and everything, and um, and it's and it's interestingly because her legacy has kind of come forward to you know, really help us notice, hasn't it, that this is something that has not, never been tackled, actually, with, you know, what was it, 118 women have died in the last year. Um, oh. And we don't know about that, really. The other thing about it, for me, which was, I was interestingly listening to a debate when this woman was going, when does it end? Because she was like, I was, a few years ago, she was like, I was out at a bar, um, you know, this guy just walked up to me, just grabbed my breast, And his friend went and she was like, stop it. And his friend was, oh, just let him. He's getting married tomorrow. And it's just like, I'm sorry, what are we? Are we objects? And that made me really cross because it made me think, actually, I've probably come across that somewhere in my youth. You know, somebody has always done that somewhere where they think they can just grab you. And actually, I you can't. And this is the whole point, isn't it? And again, it comes into that when it the, the men were getting defensive because it was, you know, like all men, they were talking about that and then there was a massive debate. But it's just like, it's not all men, but if we can all just get the bloody message through, it just makes me cross.
1: Makes me so cross. It makes me so sad and it's so terrifying. And the fact that it happened and it's raised all of this debate, it just, I think especially... Um, if you're raising kids now, you think, "Wow, um, am I doing right by them? Am I sending the right messages? Does my 12 year old son respect females enough? Is he learning the right way? Is he, you know, I don't know. It really, it really, it really made everybody check themselves, their own household. You know, the the way they are." Keeping their house um, and how things are, are, are working. Um, it just struck. I remember when they were looking for her, and it just, I couldn't stop thinking about her when they were looking for her. And then it was just absolutely heartbreaking when everything came to light. And my younger sister, um, she lives in London, and she texted me and just said, I have walked down that road. I've walked exactly where she's walked so many nights after work and uh, yeah it's really scary and it's really nasty but the whole thing about every single woman you know has walked on their own at night every single woman you know and every single one of them has been afraid and the same can't be said for 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 males and um that's a really sad fact um but yeah great change has to come it has to it just this this just happens too much too much and it's horrid it is so it just makes me it's horrid
0: it's so scary yeah and our guest actually tanith carey who came on previously she um she wrote a huge article and the article that she wrote was on about like basically pornography which is how available it is on the internet now to everybody but you can tap in the most horrendous things and find it like, yep. and so it just shows women depicted in these horrible images and for children who, or teens who get access to that, they they think it's okay and it isn't. Yeah. And yeah. so these it, companies, these social media companies, they have to take some kind of responsibility to this. Yeah,
1: they definitely do. I mean the way that sex is changing for young men and, and the, the perception of what's okay and what's normal and what what they think everyone's doing and what they're doing and what he's doing and what she'll let you do and what she won't let you do and what is your right to do? And it's it's all really warped. It's so messed up. It's changed so fast because of the accessibility to stuff like that. It's really scary. And I think that's why we can never truly know what our kids are doing, what they're seeing, what they're thinking, how their brains are working. Are we growing a person like this under our own roof? That kind of thing. I mean, and the fact that this is very specific to Sarah Everard's case, but, you know, this is a person who was, he was a figure of authority. That just, it was just, it's just, there are so many questions. There is so much that we need to be doing. There is so much change that needs to come. And, oh, Tanith Tanith touched on it when we when we spoke with her but yeah it's, it's very scary it's very sad it's crazy that we still all have to think this way and act this way as women
0: but we do. Well we're lucky enough today to speak to somebody who helps women get less overwhelmed actually aren't we our guest today is is somebody who I really like she's absolutely awesome I'm gonna let you introduce her.
1: Today we've got Alison Middleton with us. Alison is a mind body transformation coach. Hi, Alison. Hi, ladies. How are you? We're good, thank you. Sorry, we we're getting a bit dark and serious there, but no, it's it's, it's um it yeah. is important, isn't it? You work with women, and um, you know a lot about overcoming and so on. And um, yeah, it's something that needs to be touched on, and um. What, what do you think about this kind well, of stuff?
2: It's interesting, as you were talking, I was just reflecting, really, because I've just come back from a couple of years ago now, almost, to um, nine years in Hong Kong. And there I always felt safe you know, if I was coming back, not that like I did that often, but 2am in the morning, never had an issue of feeling unsafe or walking about. And I just think I've had to really educate my son, he's now 15, that when we came back here, he couldn't just walk around as well. And he could right. phone on a table in a cafe and go up and get a drink and then come back and it'd be there In the in London, you couldn't do that. So that was really what struck me is that it's not, everywhere you can have safe cultures and that and it just really saddens me that this is the situation we now have and it is um, you know I, I sort of perhaps put Hong Kong in a really nice sort of bubble it's not like that now since we've moved it's changed as well you know And life changes and I think that's what's really sad about it all that we're having to talk in this way and just that things do move on and not for the better you know that's mm-hmm. it becomes all pervasive across society now mm-hmm. so yeah really difficult one and educating the men I think we've got real responsibilities as mum if we've got boys and you know also giving the empowerment to our daughters to feel really confident and comfortable in their own skin um with a lot of people with self-image difficulties and they actually physically hate themselves and it's just like however did you manage to get to that point where you look and you see yourself with such disgust it's just these beautiful people, you, I can see are beautiful. Their parents can, their friends can, but they can't, and mm. that just really saddens me. You know, really mm. does.
0: And do you think that's because of all the kind of social images around that they see yes. constantly?
2: absolutely and you alluded as well to all that pornography being sort of out there and I was watching a program I think it was on the Kent and Essex police and they were just investigating you know all these um, children they were undercover sort of that were being groomed you know 11 12 year olds and the chats that were going on behind it and these men being so explicit and just And then you actually, you know, you met these guys and you thought, oh, they're going to be some sort of, you know, potential weirdos. But they were like, you know, 26-year-old normal, seemed to be normal men on the outside of it, you know. And it's just like, that's what scared me a bit, I think, really, that it has got to... These are men that are bored, but they've been doing it. And, you know, looking into the history, thousands of people that they've been sort of targeting, you know, for that one person. And it was just, it was shocking, but at the same time, also a bit addictive viewing because it was just like an insight into this world that is just oh so so
0: horrid so toxic yeah, yeah. it's funny that you say that though, because people do have a stereotypical image of what that you know what yes. that person is meant to look like yeah. he does yeah. he commits these crimes and it's and it, it, it's astonishing because they don't pretty much yeah they know exactly and I think back at school actually we had
2: one master that was very inappropriate and it was well known amongst all the girls that he was inappropriate but did anybody say anything to anybody no we didn't there was this wall of silence and it was just we all knew about him but I think we just yeah it was just one of those things and it's just like how did that sort of even happen we were all quite intelligent we were all you know got parents that would listen to us but we never we never raised it with them so I think that you know, trying to get that openness with our kids as well that they can come to us to talk about anything and we have these subjects on the table at dinner time or whatever it might be that we have these you know we we sort of normalize the conversations that they come and talk to us about whether it is sex or whatever you know I quite often will say to my son you know you've got to come and talk to me oh mum he sort of says but I'd hope he would oh. talk to an adult you know at yeah. Some point.
1: yeah I it's think the thing you say problem. about your teacher and again about this guy being a policeman and it takes so much away when you're saying to children, you know, you've got to go and speak to someone and then the people who are in authority are these kinds of people. It's just like, it's awful, isn't it? When yeah. you talk, we, had a te- we had a teacher like that as well at our school. And um, I think he just, I don't know, he, nothing ever sort of came of it, but I don't know if it was, us our sensitivity to it or he certainly couldn't get away with it now I don't know it never went any further than than what I saw but you kind of think there's not a chance you would get away with that today but I just think none of us said anything because we were like well we must be wrong somehow because he's the teacher and we're the kids that's it it's that authority we were brought
2: up well I was brought up to be seen and not heard and to respect all authority figures so you know you didn't challenge you didn't question um, and and that was it but um I hope yes there's more openness now I think that's one good thing is people are people do talk about these things
1: much more openly Mm -hmm. which is good Um, but obviously we've still got the issues So, do you feel that really put you on a back foot, being brought up in that way, that be seen and not heard? And you still like that now? Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things I ever had to overcome
2: because I would was so shy. And, you know, if somebody spoke to me, I would be, you'd go right red, you know, and I, it took me literally liberty till my 30s to actually, and I was in quite senior roles at this time to really feel comfortable speaking up at meetings and things. And I would have to set myself little challenges to, um, you know, say one thing at this meeting and write it down and really pluck up the courage to do it. And I mean, once I broke through that, I think that's the thing with our fears. And that's what I've learned is that you have a fear and you break through it, then it leads to this massive expansion and growth. And now you can't stop. Me talking (laughs) but um, that was how I was you know (laughs) that was exactly how I was and I think my goodness my message really to a lot of people is if I could overcome that anybody can you know because I was the quietest little thing ever um tiny as well that didn't help you know I've had bosses that tower over me and so I felt quite intimidated and quite bullying bosses as well so I've always yeah took me a long while to speak up and actually know that I had a voice and it was worth hearing it as well
1: and listening to it wow that's amazing so you sort of have to push yourself forward and then through those little moments of wow moments that's where you just kept gaining your your, your confidence and growing yeah
2: I think I've lived my last 20 years out of my comfort zone if I'm really honest Everything I've ever done has pushed me out of my comfort zone. I mean, when I think, um, when I got the opportunity to go on secondment to Hong Kong, there's one part of me that goes, yes, I'm up for that. And then there's the much, much bigger part of me going, what are you talking about? This is so scary. This isn't you. And getting on the plane, I remember I had to go and leave my husband and my son and I would do. I would have done anything not to get on that plane to go over there by myself for a creation meeting. How I did, it. and I spent the whole week feeling homesick. The whole week, sort of just almost desperate to sort of get home and back into my comfort zone. But I think it's it's feel the fear and do it anyway. I know that's cliche, but that book changed my life with by Susan Jeffers because it was a case of if you don't do it, Alison, you've got one chance at life. You know, are you are going to just sit there and just let all this happen to you? No, you've got to just push pushed through it and when I look back at what I've done I've was that really me did I really get to do all of those things you know because it was just so
1: yeah so different from how I was that
2: is incredibly
1: that is incredibly brave Mm, that's going against going against all of your instincts so that was is that how long ago was that so
2: I went to Hong Kong that was only oh it's about 10 years ago now because we spent nine years there and we've been back sort of a year and a half so so they
1: ended up coming with you in, in, they did, in
2: the- so I went out um for initiation and had to sort out a school for my son and everything where we might um, live and then we went so that was in the November and in the January we went out we got flown out Alex was five so my son was five at the time and it was an adventure okay. it was for six months and um, you know we thought It's either going to go really well, we're going to love it, or else we will just go and say, treat it as a bit of a family adventure, a holiday, and come back after that six months. But there was, there's a streak for me that was really determined, and that I sort of set myself a goal that within three months of being there, I would be asked to stay. Whether or not I wanted it, pride came to me that I was going to do a good enough job that they'd asked me to stay on, and three months to the date, they did, they did.
0: That's amazing. Alison, awesome. tell for the audience, just tell everybody what, what it was you were doing then, because obviously you're doing something completely different now, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So my background, I started off as a graduate
2: management trainee at Selfridges um, in Oxford Street, which I absolutely loved, retail management, because it was with people. And then I moved into HR, actually. Um, I was very lucky I worked for the Boots Company in HR roles. And I loved retailing, but the long hours and everything and the low pay really sort of started to grind me down. So I moved to an international law firm, Clifford Chance, um, was the largest law firm in the world at the the time, their London office. And I spent 10 years there in senior roles um, ended up as their global group head of diversity and policy Mm. and advice manager. And then I get headhunted to go to Baker and McKenzie, their head of reward and employee relations and management information. And it was through them that the secondment came out to go to Hong Kong to do a project. Um, And I ended up acting HR director for um, Hong Kong, China and Vietnam for a year at Baker and McKenzie out in in Hong Kong, based in Hong Kong, um, before moving into international education. So I then moved into international education. So that was my background before doing what I do now. (laughs) a big change yes um international education was great actually it was um a really dynamic organization I worked for which had 30 schools when I across the world when I first joined them and five years later when I left they were pushing on 55 and now I've got 66 um Mm. but it was a very very stressful role it was like a startup in lots of ways dynamic but very under resourced I was number two in HR across the world and Oh, my job was just very stressful and I ended up having a burst appendix actually three months (gasps) after starting. And I didn't link that with stress at the time. It was a a dear friend in HR that said to me, I think, Alison, this is because you're a a round peg in a square hole or whatever they they say. And it just culturally wasn't me. It was very... um, it was an awful culture in lots of ways, brilliant in others, but it was very controlling. And if you were now a minute back from your hour at lunch break, you'd be hauled into the office. Every email you sent was like looked at. And it was just really controlling. And I was used to being senior manager you know managing my own time my own and it just was felt very cloying and and there was a bullying sort of culture at times there as well which um affected me badly being sensitive as I am sensitive little wallflower that I am shy thing um it really triggered me my inner child came out and I would just revert back to just this silent you know individual so yeah I think that's that caused a lot of stress for me um, and made me realize that
0: I needed to do something different um, with my life, but that's pretty it's brave hard. though to do something different after having such a big position at a company as well.
2: Yeah, well, the thing was, the scary thing really was was that when I had my son in 2005, my husband was actually medically retired through a condition he's had all the time that I've known him, which was again very stressful. So I actually was the main breadwinner for the family and. Um, It meant that actually our staying in Hong Kong depended on me having a job. So um, and at that time, I wasn't sponsored. I've now got permanent residency, but I did need to keep a corporate sponsorship to stay there. So that was really tough. And that really led me, I think, to staying longer than I should have done in that corporate world because I felt guilt and I felt that I had to. I felt very trapped, actually. And looking back, I didn't feel I had a choice and of course, I now know that we all do have choices. And that's another thing I want to say to people is when it looks really, really bad, there are options there and there are choices. You just have to see them and perhaps take a leap of faith. And it was the birth appendix that really forced me to do that. Um, so it's the universe came up. It's as well, isn't it, a birth appendix? Yeah, well, the, 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 one, the, the scary thing was it was completely gangrenous. I had to... Um, <gasps> They pumped me full with 21 antibiotics. And they said to me, if it had actually burst it, I was, the body is amazing. It formed this sack around it. And if that had burst and it seeped into it, I would have just been gone just like that. So oh, I remember God. standing in the surgeon's office and he said to me, well, this is about five o'clock at night. And he said, um, we're going to operate you know, at 10 o'clock tonight. Um, and I said, well can, well, can we wait that long? And he sort of said to me, well, he said, there's no other surgeries open at the moment. There's no other operating rooms and you're still standing now, aren't you? So I had to go home and say goodbye to my son, put him to bed as if nothing was happening. And I honestly wasn't sure I was going to see him again or not. Oh um, we told him we were going for a drink and see, my husband came with me to hospital and that was it. I didn't know if I was going to see him again. I was that scared and that petrified that uh, it was uh, very, very scary. But I lived to tell the tale. There was a reason yeah. behind it. <laughs> I had to is- <laughs> oh wow that is horrible yeah it was pretty horrible it was but I uh, you know it was life transformationing as well you know so many people say there's a pivotal event that changed you because I wasn't sure I was living my purpose and I kept that day after the hospital I was I was recovering and into my inbox came this um little little note that said um why do some people come back from war and others don't and why do some people um survive silvery illnesses and others don't and i'm like reading on going oh my goodness and it said that some people um you know there's a tree left in a field and sometimes there's a soul tree in a field and it's because the animals and people come to take shelter out of the heat of the midday sun and everything and i got goosebumps when i read that and i went right I know why I'm here. And from then on, I vowed that I was going to change and retrain into what I wanted to do, which was what I'm doing now. And it was just like that. It was like, let's start doing it. So that that's amazing. So, so, did you then come back here? No. So you trained no, over there I, first. I trained over there. So actually I I did the difficult way because I couldn't give up my job. All my work was um it was a full time job and I wanted to go part time I always had but in Hong Kong up until now with the pandemic there really wasn't anything such as working from home or it just wasn't you just kept saying Alison your role's too senior It's not appropriate. So actually I studied on the side all of my studying whilst I was still holding down this job. Um, Whoa yeah. <laughs> yeah until it was time to yeah make that move and that was carefully planned as well really tapping into when was the right time for me to make my move and I was very very lucky with that that when I actually did I asked for a bit of a sign from the universe asked for a black cat to turn up in my life at the time and um a year later down the, the line, I, um, I got opened a Christmas present from my friend that she'd given it to me for ages. I never told anybody that I'd asked for a black cat as a sign. I'd forgotten about it myself. opened her present and then looked back afterwards and her paper was brown paper covered with black cats at Christmas. And I still didn't believe it. And we went on holiday to um, Thailand for New Year and I kept seeing black cats. So I came back from holiday and I said to my husband, "You're not going to like it, but I'm handing my notice in today because this feeling was growing in me." And I handed my notice in to my boss, and she was this boss that had been very difficult, made my life very hard. But on that day, she turned around and she said to me, "But we don't want to lose you, Alison. I'm going to go and see the CEO. EO, and would you take a part-time role, which I've been asking for for years? <gasps> would you take a part-time role?" And um, I said, well, yes, I I would. And she said, don't get your hopes up. But he happened to be in the office. He was never in the office. He happened to be in the office that day. And within two hours, he had agreed that I could go part-time. So the last 18 months I spent with him was
1: part-time. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Well that does give me geek bump. That kind of
1: black cat thing. I I want to try it now. Ask for a sign and be specific
2: about your sign. And if you don't get it, then you know, just just keep looking or you know, just making sure that you are tapping in because yeah, something will come over you. There will be a sign,
0: definitely. Yeah, that's really um interesting actually. So fast forwarding a bit, you then came to back to the UK recently, didn't you?
2: Yes, I came back in um, summer 2019, um, came back because, well, the situation in Hong Kong was getting unstable with with everything. My son was at a pivotal moment in his education as well, just about to start, you know, before GCSEs. And my mum wasn't very well. She hadn't been well for a while, but it was getting quite critical. So I came
0: back to spend time with family. And um, and I guess, did you do more learning when you came over here You to help, you, you know, had you started helping and working with clients at this point as well?
2: Yeah, so I've got a business in Hong Kong, a corporate well-being business that I'm still going in Hong Kong. So I go in and do corporate well-being talks um, for companies like HSBC, Manulife. Um, but here my focus was much more really around individuals and working with individual clients. And so my main modality that... I started to use the run with health coaching was um, clinical hypnotherapy and working with the subconscious mind. And then I added sort of NLP, EFT, um, theta healing. So I really now work with mostly the subconscious mind so our subconscious beliefs really get into the root cause of why people are stuck in an area of their life so whether it's a relationship issue or cancer and um, work a lot of cancer patients trying to give them the best kind of life that they can have whether that is to actually heal or whether it's to thrive and manage the condition the best they can and I work a lot with anxiety as well a lot of teens and young adults with anxiety as well as um, you know more older adults and parents.
1: Wow, your vibe is uh, your This uh, this always happens, but Kat said, "Oh, wait till you speak to her. She's so lovely, and you are." <laughs> but <laughs> what your 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 um? Were you? spiritual always or or, are you spiritual is that the word I'm looking for yeah well actually I was talking to somebody about this today
2: um I always had as a young child a fascination with um you know the afterworld and spirits but never I was brought up as a Christian in Hong Kong I spent a lot of time um I was the, the HR representative for the church they had 28 staff and I was their HR volunteer and sat on their management committee um as their HR representative for the staff and did that. And then it was very interesting because one of the deacons started to realise I was doing clinical hypnotherapy and didn't like it and the whole church after five years of working with them completely you know talk about judgment talk about triggering people it went absolutely mad and I ended up actually I walked away from it because I just said you know this is too difficult and it really led me to believe that actually I am really spiritual but it took Mm -hmm. almost that instance for me to stand up and say this is who I am I am a Christian but I am not somebody for organized religion that's so judgmental about people and actually now I'm closer to that connection than I've ever been but without too much of that church background so it was really interesting
1: Mm. I love I love um I love EFT I love uh, I've done NLP for when I've struggled with anxiety and so on I've, I, I don't know much about the theta healing. We uh, spoke to another lady who um, was doing that, but it's the way you talk about um, the black cats and all that. I just, mm. it's so gentle and it's so, um, I love it when someone has a completely different um, eye on things than I do. I, I, I'm very much into all of those things since I joined Cat and the Well Life Tribe, and I yeah. see so much there's been so much worth in all of those things for me but what I find interesting is the way you perceive the world I just love I love the idea that there are so many signs around us which so many people are missing um and it's it sort of reminds me sometimes when I listen to you speaking, it reminds me that we should all slow down a little bit you know and absorb a bit Mm -hmm. more of, of yeah it's funny. It's just the way, I just love the way you talk. I just love hearing that you looked for those signs and then followed that. And you know, that your boss was in and he wasn't, I I love it. What I wanted to ask you was um, when kids come to see you, what are, um, what kinds of things do you find that teenagers and young adults are worrying about? Oh, the, um, the anxiety
2: at the moment is, is horrendous out there. And a lot of that is social anxiety and COVID has, in so many ways made that worse for people because um, in a way it it did them, they thought a bit of a favour because they were at home, they could hide behind, you know, the homeschooling. But now that everybody's back, that's really caused another round of anxiety in individuals. And because some of their timetables are different one week to another, you know, all that sort of aspect. And I think I've got some people that changed, went into sixth form college um, like in September and never really got to meet their new peer group and new friends and forge all of those so that's been a massive issue um younger children it is around image as well um, around eating around yeah just keeping up clothes you know what clothes am I going to wear to be in you know we've got this society where you have to have all this designer stuff I mean my son goes to a boarding school and he's always you know it's like so many people have got you know these coats or I have to have these trainers or and there's so much pressure there you know for parents to be under to give into and for the kids yeah. to keep up and be accepted it's, it's really difficult.
0: It's really difficult and it starts so young. Yes, yeah. I was Um. that kid at school, who didn't get the Nike trainers and and I got picked on. My dad came home with a pair of (laughs) Nicks. I remember that, I was like, I can't wear those. What are you talking about? (laughs) And he's like, I'm not paying £50 for a pair of trainers. So he (laughs) paid like £13, I remember, for this pair of Nicks, And honestly, the shame of wearing them was just too much to bear. That when I turned up, people are like, "What?" and they were so reflective on the fact that I had these no name trainers. It was so embarrassing, and it always stood out for me that. And it is; it's really horrible when kids bully you, and they're like, "They're not nice, they're nick." And I was like, "Oh, the shame!" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think it's got so much work. I wasn't laughing at the time.
2: No, and I think it's just magnified now for people and just if there's more sensitive souls out there as well that really take these things very, um, very seriously and, you know, they've got so empathetic. But, yeah, I think that's really
0: difficult for them, really, really difficult. I watched this interesting documentary on 20-somethings and it was, they were with their mums and it was on the BBC and they did a swap with their mums just to show their mums how difficult it is now being 21 It was so interesting because their mums went, oh, God, they're just awful. All they do is on their phone, da-da-da. But actually, what they didn't realise was dating was really hard for these girls, actually. And it was all done online now, like pretty much they were. But sometimes it could get really harsh. And some of these girls would turn up on a date with a guy who'd seen them online. And they go, oh, you don't look like your picture. I'm not dating you. And literally leave. And it was so so judgmental. It's actually, it's horrible
2: and it causes trauma in these you know this is what I'm working with now is you know one or two instances like that that have actually scarred those individuals completely because oh. that's become their you know that trigger point and then anything else you know they look for almost an affirmation that is true because that's the way their mind sort of you know works and my role is to try and reprogram that and to heal that initial trauma because it is it's one instance like that and my sister um Went down and you know an eating disorder route because a boyfriend called her thunder thighs, and that stuck with her, and she was so hurt by that that you know that became a fixation, and so food started to become the one thing she could control. And I just think, no, this is people say things, but they don't realize the effect that they're going to have on others. And I think that's the thing is that compassion towards other people and sensitivity is what we've really got to teach our kids as well. You know.
0: Yes yeah no definitely I think as well Alison you are as Liberty was saying really someone who is so easy to talk to Mm -hmm. Um, and you've done lots of different ways to help people now so you're not just like you've done your health coaching you've done your clinical hypnotherapy and all that you're doing something new aren't you called is it light therapy yes light I mean that this is an amazing
2: um therapy it comes from the states and and it's basically light, it called Light-Induced um, Guided Healing Therapy, it stands for. And Paula Marie Jackson is the lady that um, basically founded it. So in the U.S., she many years ago had MS and was spending up to 19 hours a day doubling continent with MS in bed. And she and her mum said there must be a way around this. As so she was very spiritual. And they came into um, finding this program where they tap into what's called the power of three. So it's the power of being in your conscious body consciously as you are now using the subconscious mind as well and the superconscious, so tapping into your own intuition your own higher self and it's a mix of guided meditation with childhood wonderment so all my clients love it because it's just like coming in for a beautiful warm bath but a meditation warm bath where you go and find a beautiful place that is your heaven on earth it's described as and then you bring in a beautiful light of your own being whatever color it is that comes into you and you bring it down your body to heal and you can heal on an emotional physical spiritual level whatever you you're looking for a goal that you want to reach and you bring in this light to empower you with all these three sort of elements to be able to do that and basically paula marie jackson um she she healed herself and she now works at the University of San Diego to bring this light therapy um out and I'm the first person that's been trained in the UK with it and I'm leading the arm on bringing it to the UK um so it's just amazing and it's got the brilliance of it is that it's backed by the University of San Diego so they've done these peer-reviewed studies and they've got the EGs and they've done um, trials against journaling and found it's 80% efficacy which means 80% effective and all these trials have shown that actually it really does create changes in your brain waves and um, yeah the healing that's become about it has been amazing so it's really powerful but it's a lovely really quick therapy and unlike the real sort of hypnotherapy which looks to the past a lot of the time this looks to the the present and to the future and it's just a lovely modality and so yes I'm looking to bring that to the UK this year um, and get out there with it.
1: Wow that's really exciting some amazing um, results with it
2: as well yeah. um, with cancer for example I've got a lady and and what realignment of um spine. so I work with somebody else who's got her spine is out of alignment and literally since she's been using she's not had to use her neck support or anything because her spine has realigned and it's just yeah it's an amazing but it's all tapping into your own inner healer as well so using that power which is what I love um, so it's bringing yourself into it. We've do got you do all of this on Zoom at the moment or do you? Yeah, all my clients now are on Zoom um, and that's been amazing. I mean, they're international anyway. They always were. Um, but a lot of people have had to try online, whereas before they were like, I want to come see you face to face, Alison. But they have all been converted because it's easy. They can lie in their beds. And with light, what I sometimes do with them is I allow them to then just drift into I just end the meeting and allow them to just drift into this most amazing sort of meditative sleep state and say goodbye to them and, you know, catch up oh, with them another time. They just drop <laughs> off? So they just drop off, you know, and I just, I, I won't necessarily count them back up or I would just say, you know, we've got the agreement at the beginning that they'll give me a thumbs up if they just want to lie there in bliss or whatever it might be. And um, yeah, I just drop off. Look, and then the I
1: That is so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it is brilliant.
2: But it's all around the person, you know, doing tapping into their own selves, which is what the power is. And I do think we've got, our own guidance system inside we've got the answers to so many things inside us You've got to listen. Think,
1: um one of the things that you said was that so much illness is owing to your own beliefs and um thoughts and that's something that i didn't like the last three years i've just become more and more and more aware of that and i don't think that people understand how powerful they really are so that's why. i, I I have just done an 8 week course with um another of our panel members um Anna Anderson and some of it was was it, it was like sort of it was plant based eating and so on just to allow the body to um be sort of down regulate all that inflammation and that kind of stuff but most of it was working on this on our, on our own beliefs and um It was so interesting. It was just, there was so much of it that there were so many things that she would ask us to do that I would be like, yeah, yeah, fine. And when I would actually go to do them, I would think, I can't do this. Why can't I do this? Um, Some of the things that Kat, Kat, Kat uses too on her courses but things like write a letter to your younger self yeah, um, yeah. and you think oh that sounds fun yeah yeah I'll do that but when I actually put pen to paper and then and then you realise all the things that are blocking you and all the things that are stopping you from being who you should be are all yeah. still there inside you and it was such an interesting eight weeks and then now when I'm listening to you and, and when I was reading about you earlier I, if someone had said to me a few years ago you know so much illness is legal to your own beliefs and thoughts, I would have been like, really? Um, but now, one hundred percent, I one hundred percent see that. And my fear is that so many people don't understand that, and yeah. so many people say, "Oh, well, I, I'm I'm going to end up this way anyway because my mom was like that, or my yeah. dad was like that," or, and I just think that's so scary to just believe that you are predestined to a certain yeah. path, that Absolutely. you're powerless in your own destiny. Yeah. Yes,
2: and I was like the you know the twin studies um, where they look at twins. You know, it does come down to but wonderful picture that I show sometimes for my clients. One client that you know, one of the twins looking really ragged and old and you know got cancer and everything, and the other hasn't purely because of their different lifestyle choices and what they've been able to turn on or off in their genes. You know, and it's just yeah, we have
1: that power. They
0: yeah, that yeah. I mean, them. it's interesting because I've I've been there obviously, and I would say that um, you know I feel like I'm a really positive person now but I do know that a lot of what I went through in my childhood just comes up and it's hard sometimes to change for people it can be hard to kind of change certain habits can't it because actually yeah. most of them, you don't know where they come from. No and that's
2: where that's why I love delving down is to where do they come from? You know, is it sort of your parents? Is it ancestral as well? Um, you know, that there is so much there. And I do, Adele, for those clients that are interested, I do do the past life work as well, because I'm doing a diploma in past life regression at the moment, which is like a postgrad. And that's fascinating as well, because so much of what we do bring in is inherited. You know, they've, they've done the stories from the, the Holocaust that nine, you know, six generations down, that the trauma is kept in the cells and the DNA. DNA and passed down, and it's the same thing with some of our our triggers, and a lot of it can be um, triggers from past life experiences um, as well. Or if you don't believe in that, just the ancestral blueprint that's in your your DNA and your cells that comes down. So, yeah, I, you know that's the case, and also it's more complex as well. You know, it's not a case that we just create you know our reality as well, but sometimes. I do a lot of purpose work as well so it's what's my purpose and what have I come in here to learn teach other people and learn lessons myself and sometimes people do have illnesses that are teaching them something um you know or they're getting a lesson from as well so it's not just a case of you know I must have done something awful or thought something awful to get cancer or whatever that might be it's much much broader than than that so I don't think you yeah. know I want-
0: blame and it's down to all of us because yeah. it isn't that's interesting because that used to that was my fear thought that used to come into my head a lot actually and I didn't realize I was doing a lot but I would on- honestly just question myself the whole time just going well what bad thing did I do to make this happen what and I'd go scratching for it all the time yeah, yeah. but the past life work thing I think is really interesting actually because I I've had some of that done um because <laughs> you know what I'm like <laughs> I look <laughs> at the <screen>. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I found that really really interesting because um mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I and we say we actually see the same spiritual healer now actually Alison don't we yeah. and yeah. Um, he was yeah. like basically um telling me that past life for me had shown up abuse on past life which is why a lot of my kind of abdomen region this that, and the other and I know it sounds bonkers to some people but but personally for me it made an awful lot of sense to yes. certain situations in my life yeah um but I you know I'm I mean for me I'm very interested in that but I'm very open to listening to it but also I think you know I think there's always some work to be done isn't there always and there always will be because
2: events come in our lives that trigger us and maybe trigger something um, you know, about us always tell the story about a guy who started having panic attacks at age 30 and didn't know why and had all the tests and he said, I'm dying, I'm dying. And the doctor said, you're not, you're fine. But, you know, when he went work back, what, what it was, was he'd previously just gone to visit somebody in hospital. And that had triggered in him, when he was a baby, we regressed him back, and he was a baby, he was put in an incubator with jaundice and he wasn't sure he was going to survive. And the hospital trip had just triggered subconsciously that fear, that fight or FLIR mechanism that he'd had as a baby in the incubator, oh my you heard that? God. his panic attacks went completely away. So that happens the same thing with, you know, sometimes the past lives, there can be something or a thought or we get a feeling around something and it's like, well, I felt this before, and I, but I don't know where it's come from. And, yeah, it can be something that's just triggered us like that that we're completely unaware of. It's a bit like being a health detective, trying to find what the root cause is and uh, mm. you know, the answer.
0: It's, uh... I love stuff like this. It's so interesting. <gasps> it really, is, actually, and I think if people are honest with themselves and they look a bit deeper, you do. Re- you, you have to be honest and go, "Well, why did that happen?" You know, like, and also. Because sometimes with these thoughts, you do beat yourself up about, don't you? Yeah. You know, like, oh, I must have done this. I must have done yeah. that. And it's actually, you didn't do anything. Most of the time, yeah. I haven't done anything. Well, yeah. you'll laugh at this, Kay, because um, uh, it, I'll laugh at this
2: one, because um, I was just talking to uh, to you earlier around the fact that um, I had this flea problem with my new house. I'm moving into a new yeah. house and discover that the carpets are completely full of, of fleas. And there's me <gasps> being, what have I done to deserve? I haven't moved in yet because of it and what have I done to deserve this and is it my parasitic you know have I got parasitic energy that I'm putting around here you know what is it about about me that sort of brought this last straw you know and all these disasters that have happened in my life in the last life Few weeks around things. What you know? What have I done? You know, and it's true. And so my flea story has been sort of. You that's know, sometimes things
0: just happen. In our email exchange. People are like, what are the hell are they talking about? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I wonder why that happened? You know, like yeah. could it be that something you're not meant to? You know, it's all really. But the thing is with Alison, you can say that to her. It's just we have those kind of chats don't we we haven't even known each other long I'm like oh do you think what sign do you think that is
2: (laughs) yeah exactly that's it because that's where my mind sort of goes you know I co-created this for some reason and what is it you know all about that I've just so I've had to surrender I think that's the other thing is that sometimes you just have to surrender to what's happening outside you and realize what you can't control because I've tried everything I've tried pest control three times and they've, they've not quite gone I've got energy work going on it and I'm hoping it's now settled but I've just had to realize that I cannot go into my house right now and move in and I'm lucky that I didn't move in so I've got to think on the positive side that actually I found out before I went in um but it has been a real case of me just going you know what I'm not meant to be in there right now whatever the picture is I'm just okay with that and I just have to go with it
1: yeah (laughs) I mean with everything you've overcome I mean you've been through so much um personally and I guess you've got to at some point you know so many people would crumble and say oh I've had enough and but it's almost like you it, it's making it's making you stronger it's testing you when you're allowing yourself to grow from things
2: yeah maybe but I had you know I do have my low moments and probably in the last couple of months with losing my mum just before Christmas and my dad really suffering and, and you know him being on the verge as well and then everything with the house and I'm spitting for my husband, all very amicably, but that's all happening at once. I do go through these periods of time. I had one on Monday on Mother's Day, on Sunday on Mother's Day, and it was really difficult. But what I think I've realised is that I know I'm going to bounce back and I know I've got these tools and... That has and support networks now. That really helps me. So I'm not saying that I don't have the same challenges and I don't go low, but I bounce back a bit quicker and I know what oh. to do to sort of get myself out of it. But I still do have those lows. You know, it's still really sometimes really tough. And I go, why me? Why can it be easier this time around I only wanted to move into my
1: house. What's you know? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, Alison, you have faced a lot of challenges in lockdown. We were talking earlier, saying, you know people facing challenges but you've had you know you had a matter of months where you faced so many things mm-hmm. actually that you hear about but how do you think you why do you think you've coped well in some bits I mean I know you said you've had some lows but actually what helps you to bring yourself out of it well the main thing is always
2: going outside and doing a walk in nature you know whatever the weather is because and I live in the middle of Epping Forest and it really it decompresses me the moment I'm out there I just feel this sort of stress just going and I, I breathe and that really helps so I think yeah doing little things and I've got you know a little tool that I do which is peace begins with me so you just say each word peace mm-hmm. begins with me which is just is very quickly gets me into it. it's the acupressure points here and it just allows me to know that actually i i'm the source of this and i can choose to think a bit differently i can choose to actually go and sit with my head under the duvet for a bit or i might do that for a little while but then afterwards you know i can actually go and do something that is going to bring me some a bit of joy so something i want to do whether it's a book sitting out in the sunshine or a walk it's my really go-to's for mm. myself out of that yeah
0: yeah I think um you know like there's a lot of people I've met who in lockdown have gone through actually a few people I know who've gone through marriage breakups as well recently and some of them are I mean it's all different things like I met one person mm-hmm. and she was she'd been wanting to do it for about 10 years you know and then she's like she's like it's weird we've I had to do it in lockdown because it was full on. And this was the moment that it came to the punch point. (laughs) She was like, I was losing my mind. And also the interesting thing that she was saying was that, you know, like she was trying to keep it together for the kids, keep it together for the kids. And then suddenly she was like, I can't keep keeping it together for them. Not being honest.
2: No it's really hard I mean we made the decision a year ago but then we got stuck in lockdown together um with our son home from boarding school and actually it was it was amazing it's been a really precious time and we have been lucky to. we've still got the friendship I mean my spare room's being done out for when Steve does come and and stay with us and the puppy and my son and you know but we we work really really hard at that and um you know I've I've been so lucky with that that we have been able to be grown up about it and I know so many people haven't and I've got friends who are having a terrible 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 time and so trapped and that's another form of yeah anxiety they're going through it's awful really awful So I've been Did lucky you do you feel relieved something?
0: that you made the decision
2: Yes I think it was the right decision definitely it would be easier in so many ways to stay um, and to have that but deep down I know that um, we want different things Um, because I should have been in Spain this year my plan was to have moved to Spain and that's what we're going to move to Spain I was going to set up my own retreat there I had the property lined up and then my husband said he wasn't sure he wanted to come with me so that put a spanner in the works and then we decided we would split. yeah, I don't regret the the decision, but yeah, life would have gone in a very different way um, if we'd stayed together and gone out to Spain. But, we, you know, with COVID, I'm glad we didn't. So bigger picture stuff as well. You know, you look back and you think... Gosh, you know, it seems awful at the time, but actually I was being really looked after in so many ways. I wasn't meant to be there right now. So I think that's the other thing that I always think of. a door shuts, it's because there's something bigger and better or it's mm-hmm. protecting us, you know, and I have to think about that it that way. Um, And Spain is on hold. Spain is not going to be there, but Spain is going to happen just a few years later down the line, I hope. So it's, you know, it's just been adapting really to what you can control again and what you can't. And what kind of retreat were you looking to set up? right so I was looking to set up so people coming to work personally with me um but also it was going to be a retreat for um like empowerment so in Hong Kong we ran ran with another friend of mine some kids empowerment days and women's empowerment days so it's gonna have lots of visiting practitioners I've proven my connections across the world to come and do like different workshops crystal workshops you know candle healing whatever it might be um so having people there and then maybe having corporates as well like corporate teams to come and rebuild and recharge so that was that was the aim and I found my property outside I fell in love with it it was all set to go and then yeah the split with Steve meant I couldn't couldn't do it on my own and actually COVID it wouldn't have taken off anyway right now so I was I'm lucky sounds gorgeous though when it happens yeah, still still is my my dream there to, to have that and be a sanctuary for people to come and and recharge you know um, yeah And yeah, teach the local community as well. So have sessions for the local community, but having people come in from afar, from across the world, come and do different workshops and yeah, yoga and all sorts of different modalities.
0: Interesting though that, that that kind of stopped and then
2: COVID kicked in. So it really wasn't meant to be. It really wasn't meant to be, actually. It was interesting because um, I work with a a, a medium um, and I've worked with her for the last couple of years and she's not your normal kind of predictive sort of future, but just sort of just alerting me to various things. And she kept saying to me, You'd be really protected in Spain. Really protected. Something big's coming. I can't see what it is, but you and your family are going to be really, really safe. And this is a really safe, you know, building and everything. And of course, none of us knew, and she didn't know the extent of COVID, and that was what she was alluding to, but didn't know what it was,
1: what,
2: what was happening, or how quickly. And so, you know, I was very blessed that I didn't go ahead because, yeah, I would have been all on my own out there with no tourists, no, no, no
1: visitors. Um,
2: So my most nightmare, that is, not having people around me. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, what puppy did you get?
2: We've got a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel called Rosie. Oh, so
0: so sweet. Rosie,
2: how old is she? She's six months now, and she's (laughs) with Steve at the moment. But she is my – I never thought I'd feel that way about an animal. She is like my soulmate. I look into her eyes, and she looks into mine, and I'm just like – Oh my goodness, she's like my little baby again.
1: <laughs> oh, I never thought I'd feel that way. And like, I,
2: mean, I, I can totally animals.
0: relate to this. Yeah, yeah, we get, it, we get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: she just sits on my lap, sits there with uh, when I've got you know just working away, and we've got the laptop there. She's just all curled up, and she's just like, yeah, she's giving me a lot of comfort. Actually, pets are a
1: great deal of comfort, you know. I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, they're very calming and loyal. And my two are fast asleep here, but. I got my dogs at a time when I was really um struggling and not really wanting to go out or do anything and I always say that was about 6 years ago I got I got Olive and it was a case of you've got to walk this dog and going outside like you say going outside and walking her I think she saved my life I really yeah. I, I just it made such a difference to yeah. everything having that responsibility and every day I'd look at her and think does she really need to go? And I was like, of course she needs to go. And it was the best
2: thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we do something for somebody else, whether it's an animal or other person, it gives us a real, that purpose. I mean, there's research on this, that, you know, you take the distraction off what you're going through and you give something else and you start to just heal or just feel better and just, yeah, it's amazing. I've got my dad's retriever down here on by my feet because I'm at his house at the moment and that's where Tyler's there, TT, faithful friend. Yeah. Oh,
0: you say that, um, you know, your most significant influence is, you know, your dad um, and and your your mum, who sadly you lost just before Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which was obviously a massive blow to you, but also so nice that you came back to be with her as well. Yeah, so uh, lucky to have that time kept, definitely. Yeah, that must have been, you know, you must feel like that was such a nice thing to be able to come back and have that moment with her. And now you're, you're you're looking after your dad, aren't you? Yes, between my
2: sister and myself. So I, I stay here most of the time and then my sister fills in um, when I can't. That's another reason, I think, for not being into the house because I'm probably needed here, actually, with my dad right now. But I do feel that my things are spread between house in Kent where I've lived with Steve, you know, since lock- during lockdown. And then my dad's here and then my new house. So I've got things in three different places and yeah so it's a bit of a challenge but yeah my dad has been he's been wonderful he's been since my mum's been ill he's been a real rock for her he's been amazingly selfless but he was also really a guy out in the community so he always would volunteer for the local sort of uh, you know financial he's a financial director who do the accounts for the church accounts for the hockey association (gasps) rotary be president of and I just always wanted to emulate him in that so i've always gone to sat on committees i became a jp um i did that jp for six years before i i went to hong kong i only gave it up when i went to hong kong because i love that feeling of of giving back to the community being part of it and having all these people around you
0: i think that's so nice because actually that's quite lost a lot these days and not all communities yeah. are like that um and I've moved recently to more of a real, like a small village, like a teeny tiny village. And I have latched on to the community feel here, and it's so different because everybody seems to know each other. But yeah, they the localise. It's all about using local people, isn't it? As well, yes. like yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, yeah, uh, it's been it's, it's been really nice actually trying to kind uh, of find out. But you also say that your mum was a huge influence yeah. in life my well. mum
2: because she taught me to be a real friend to people my mum Mum was an only child. My dad had his elder brother die. So it was a very close-knit family. I was brought up in just like the four of us with my sister. Um, And, you know, my mum, you saw her friends as family and would do anything for her friends. And that was when I did her eulogy at the church. That was all around the close friends that were there or were joining us, were her family. And so I saw that. But I also saw my mum had um, kidney cancer 30 years ago. And then... um, a two percent chance of it came back um, about well it's about it was 11 12 years ago um, in the second kidney had to have the second kidney removed so she was on dialysis three times a week and had tremendous health issues and very much anxiety about going to the hospital for treatments but she never gave up and she fought right to the end I came back in 2019 thinking she was about to die um, and I came back to be with her but she decided when I came back it gave her seemed to give her a new lease of life and she rallied and she saw her 80th birthday and she never gave up and even I had to tell her on the Saturday um, that we were withdrawing dialysis from her she came home she had a fall she wasn't very well and she had a fall and she wasn't well enough to go to dialysis I was trying to get her ready for an ambulance to take her for dialysis and I just looked at her and I said mum you you're not really up for this are you and I spoke to the doctor and I had to come back to, the, to my mum and I had to say to her, mum, you can either go into hospital and they'll see if they'll do dialysis, but it might be too difficult or that's it. And she just looked at me and she said, so I'm going to have to die. I'm going to die. And I said, I'm really sorry, mum. Yes you are and that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to tell my mum that within literally a matter of days she was going to die and do you know what she turned around and she said but I'm going to miss Christmas this was on the 7th of December around 7th of December she'll miss Christmas so we're like no you're not we got a tree outside we've got a tree inside we put it up <gasps> she even had a sip of Prosecco we got the grandchildren around she, she opened a few presents on that Saturday that I told her that the Sunday we thought she would be okay to see a few more people she was unlucid and she died the, the very next morning, the early hours of the Monday morning. That was a Saturday. But she fought right to the end and she didn't cry. She did not cry when I told her that was going to be the outcome. So brave. And yeah, how she went on. I do not know the last eight years, how she got herself there to hospital to that treatment. And she still pushed other people in when she could. She went around helping other people. and my that,
1: mom,
2: I... Yeah. So that was my mum. Um, No wonder
1: you're so lovely. God, your (laughs) parents sound gorgeous. Oh, (sighs) I love talking to you. You You're incredible.
2: Liberty and cats. thank you.
0: Um, Alison, it's been really wonderful to talk to you, actually. Um, I love talking to you. I try and find an excuse to talk to you as often as I can if I'm (laughs) on it um i think mostly because i find you you're truly truly authentically who you are um you're just very honest um and you know and i i know that what you do is really from the heart and i love your energy i love your spirituality um and the people that you help you actually really truly help and i and i believe that this kind of you know like light therapy and everything i think this is a wonderful thing that you're bringing over here as well um And I can imagine that your clients absolutely love working with you, Mm. you know, um, if somebody's listening today and they want to find you, where can they find you, Alison? So they
2: can find me on my website, which is wwwam one so that's amalisonmiddleton1health.com or alisonjmiddleton at gmail.com as well. So my um, email address, so they can find me there.
0: Yeah I mean Alison has got a lot of strings to her bow um and you know it's definitely worth if you are feeling any kind of overwhelm at the moment or you're going through any kind of illness that you you know you want some help with um I mean I would 100% back up anybody to give Alison a call as well um it's been you know I find it I've spoken to you many times but I absolutely every time I speak to you I just find it even more of a pleasure every time it's just so wonderful and I know this is Liberty's first experience but it's she's absolutely amazing isn't she Liberty?
1: Unbelievable I (laughs) I feel like I've known you always and I feel like um I feel like I've met someone who I just wish I wish there were more of you because your intention is so pure and, and good and kind and sort of when Kat said just now about um, your dad and that sharing and that community and that being out and and making yourself available to the service of other people just because that's how big your heart is there are not enough people like you or like your dad or your mom in, in the world and it, it, it just you're just lovely and I want light therapy and all your other therapies everything. <laughs> <laughs> you are lovely 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 and and what a lucky son you have oh
2: yeah, no, I'm lucky no I'm lucky and thank you so much <laughs> for having me
1: today it's been wonderful
0: oh, welcome Alison it's been so nice to talk to you yeah
1: we're the lucky ones thank you (laughs) thank you